to the asylum. And now, your hosts, Rick Flieger and Rick Briggs. Welcome back into the asylum, coming to you from Studio B of the Asylum Studios. We are Rick Briggs and Rick Flieger, better known as Flieger and Briggs. And uh, we are coming back to you to discuss... Well, Rick, let's just say that we are going to discuss very important worldly matters, I don't as know. only the asylum can. I don't know much about worldly matters, but I'll give it a world. But it's our world, well, <laughs> which is all that matters. That's a, uh, that's a scary, scary place to be. So, yeah, happy to be back. Check us out. Rick the Mad Tweeter on at Asylum Football. You can check out on, on twi- Twitter to get all of his nonsense. Uh, still getting up and running here a little bit. We're going to uh, continue to work to reformat the show, repackage it, repurpose it, whatever you want to say. Uh, took a swing it live on Blog Talk last week. Wasn't as smooth as we'd hoped it would be, so a few technical things to work out. So we're going to go ahead and do the uh, do the pre-record on this one, but obviously you can find it there. So make sure to go over and subscribe on iTunes for the uh, Blog Talk radio feed of this fine show. As in the coming weeks, we button it up and get geared up for summer. As uh, NFL get rolling again here, as if it ever actually stopped this year. <laughs> it yeah. hadn't seemed to. All kinds of fun, frivolity, and nonsense all summer here at the Asylum. Yeah, get back, get on iTunes, like Rick said. Uh, you know, subscribe. It's free. You'll get everything that we put out there downloaded automatically so you won't miss it. And, uh, you know, get on there and, and uh, rate us. Yeah. Um, it, it just helps the show out. Leave a comment if you desire. And uh doesn't matter if it's positive or negative. Just leave something. Yeah, do this. Give us the five-star review. But well, yeah. then feel free to crush us in the comments. <laughs> yeah, yeah th- that's fine. If you're torn, as most people are, I'm torn, quite frankly, ab- about how we are and who we are. So give us the five stars to keep us up to the top of the iTunes charts. However, then you can just pummel us in the comments if you yeah. want to. Because you can't offend us, trust us. You can try, and actually this is an open challenge to Asylum show listeners try to offend us see how that goes asylumfootball at gmail.com if you want to crush us with a lengthy right tirade on an email and chances are we'll read it on the air that's the that's the kind of thing we do so rick we've kind of hit the dead period in the sports calendar right now unless you're a real seam head it feels like you know, basketball, we're wrapping up the NHL. Maybe we'll talk about that briefly. Finally, mercifully wrapping up the NBA. Maybe we'll hit on that real briefly here. But kind of slow, kind of quiet. OTAs going on. Can't take – this might cost us our football listeners, Rick. I noticed that um, – before you didn't mean to cut you off, I noticed just saw today Trey Burton missing OTAs and everything with hernia surgery. Why does it always seem the football players get the surgeries done when they start getting into towards training and everything instead of February? Do you want to go to training camp? No, I'm recovering from surgery. (laughs) I'll see you in September, pal. I I know. That's precisely. I mean, I I know it's a rhetorical (laughs) question, but it's it's really funny. You're a veteran. You got the squad made. You got nothing to worry about. I'm on nurse's injury all through July and August. I'll see you on Labor Day. Peace. <laughs> that It has to be, right? It, 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 I can think of no other reason. Yeah, you would think so. Yeah, so, I mean, it, but, but the OTA thing, you know, this probably puts us in poor favor with, with the NFL aholics out there. 
as most people are. I don't care. Quit filling up my timeline with you happen to be at the Jets OTAs and Sam Darnold just laid one in somebody's hand at the one-yard line. It was a perfect – it's OTAs. Come right. on. Yeah, it's, or it's, I guess these are not OTA, <laughs> mandatory mini, mini camps. I guess I'm misspeaking there. <laughs> the nonstop updates out of this as if it and means anything. <laughs> Come it's, on. It's great for rookies. It's great for, yeah, maybe you got traded to a new system, you know, something like it. You're starting to build a little rapport with teammates and everything. Maybe a Hunter Henry. You, you say you know he's out there running and cutting. He's looking pretty yeah, good. Tell me yeah, that. Fine. That's nice. I mean, I like that. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. You know, Sam Darnold laid one into Robbie Anderson or whoever it is. You know, well, isn't that nice? Yeah, good for him. I would <laughs> yeah. hope he did, considering there was yeah. no rush and no corner. But outside of that, it was you know the the greatest thing that ever happened on an NFL football field. So. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm getting jaded with a lot of this stuff. I just I can't find anything exciting there. So, Rick, let's get into it. We'll start out as only the asylum can on a positive note. Two big losses yeah. over the weekend in the sports world. Yeah, sure was. And uh, the first of note, you know, uh, Football Hall of Famer Bart Starr, you know, two-time Super Bowl champion, Five-time NFL champ with the Packers. He's MVP of the league. I think he's four-time pro bowler. And by all accounts, obviously, you know, we didn't know him personally, but one of the nicest, most humblest people that, you know, you just saw the stars coming out. Just amazing, you know, just what an impact that this man had on pro football. Yeah, and it, it's interesting to see it in one debate. We, we always have and we see it. It's probably always been this way, but with the proliferation of social media, you see it more. Instantly, the debate became, and it's it spun in my head, because I'm sure you saw Bart Starr play, right? He crushed me in the ice bowl. I was rooting for okay. the Dallas Cowboys, of course. So I, I was trying to do the math real quick in my head. I wasn't sure if you were old enough for that, but then... You were old enough for prohibition, so I don't know why you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't have seen Bart Starr. So the debate of and it's interesting to have three quarterbacks of this ilk in that franchise. The greatest Packers quarterback, yeah, Starr, Favre, or Rodgers. You know, obviously everybody thirty and younger says it's Aaron Rodgers, and look at the numbers. <laughs> you know, here's right. why. You know, guys, you know, I've got Favre's retired jersey hanging to the right of my head here in the studio, so you probably know where I lean. But I have no sense of Bart Starr. And I, I heard somebody on one of the national shows say, and it was interesting to me, and I don't know, I probably can't be measured even with the advanced analytics of today, that he was probably the last and greatest quarterback of the run-first era of the NFL. And I thought that was interesting. It makes it hard to quantify in context then compared to, to these guys of today or oh, yeah. from yeah. after his playing time, even as the league has shifted, even in the late 70s, towards more passing to, to what it is now where running what? What are we going to do that for? Yeah. It, yeah, you Bart Starr, John Unitas. I mean, those are – like you said, the, I mean, you can't really include the Namus and the Dan Fouts and so forth right. because they were basically pass-happy AFL guys. And, um, you know, albeit the rules were different, the pass attempts weren't there. Like you said, um, especially with the Packers, with with the innovation of the power sweep, 
and their run first offense that no one could stop. Right. I mean, yeah. why would you pass? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't seem like yeah. What what was the I forget the coach you know, the old saying when you pass the ball only three things can happen and two of them are bad. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So, but I, I did find something very interesting as I was um, you know reading about Bart Starr and I saw this letter um, that Bart Starr wrote to a disgruntled fan oh. in September of 76 when so, he was then coaching the Packers. So it was like a, 1976 Twitter. They're sending hate mail back and yeah, forth they, through they the was postal mail. service. I and, like it. Um, he returned the letter. To, I don't know what the letter said, but obviously he was, was not happy um, with the way the Packers were losing. And But this is the letter he wrote back to a Mr. Dan Klumpner. Of uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin. It said, Dear Mr. Klumpner, quite obviously we cannot answer all the letters we receive from fans during the course of a season. Whether they may be dissenting or complimentary in nature, time simply does not allow it. However, in a case where someone takes time, and, and I'm getting to be like you are. I need to make this a little bigger. There we are. <laughs> Wait, you're getting to be like I am. Yeah. What is that? Shut up. <laughs> However, in a case where someone takes the time to write and sign his name, we make every attempt to answer when we deem appropriate. We are sorry to, to lose you as a fan, of course, but what is sadder is the example you are setting for your own sons. Oh. <laughs> I hope while you are redirecting their young minds in the future, you include tolerance to that when you occasionally I'm sorry, when you occasionally err or unintentionally disappoint them. They will not lose their faith in you. May your sons always excel and enjoy the numerous rewards of athletic competition. Thank you for taking the time to write and express your opinion. Best wishes, Bart Starr. <laughs> Just crushed him, only like politely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if that wasn't the most polite crush oh, yeah, I've ever seen. That's the modern equivalent of sending a picture of your middle finger. <laughs> but, I mean, that was uh, pretty classy, though. Yeah. You could have just ignored it or could have wrote, F you. Yeah, that's what I'd have written. You know, one a picture of my. And it literally would have been F you because you couldn't spell the four letter word. Yeah. I mean, you're limited to three. I'm busy. I, I got a lot going on. I can't write it out. So, outside of Bart Starr, also lose uh, Bill Buckner to a disease I had never heard of. Rick, I didn't know this was a thing, but essentially, what a dementia is what it you is. You never heard being. of dementia? Well, what they actually called the disease, they didn't call it dementia, but it equates to dementia. I, I yeah. can't remember what it what they call the thing. Now. Oh, I, I I assumed it was just from effects of dementia. Um, I was uh, in air unintentionally, according to Bart Starr, um, <laughs> because I I actually just thought it was from symptoms of dementia. So you saying it's actually another disease? Yeah, yeah, that looks like. Looks like wow. Ranch. I'm looking it up here. Now. And I, of course, I you know you Bill Buckner. Everybody remembers Bill Buckner and Louie L E W Y body dementia. Wow. So it's a dementia, but Louie body. 
Never, never heard of such a thing. No. Way too young, I know that. But it sounds awful cruel. Yeah, yeah. And no, is no what good. it does. And, you know, most folks, you know, like, you hadn't heard about it. I wasn't even aware he wasn't well, you know. And then when you, right. it happens, they said, you know, it's been a rough go here recently. And talk about, you know, you, we just saw a little thing, Bart Starr return, uh, responding to hate mail. What do you think this guy got over his career? That is, un- I'm torn on this. So bear with me here for a minute. So I find out, I don't know what worthless nonsense I'm watching on ESPN, and it just comes across the crawl at the bottom of ESPN, and it says, you know, Bill Buckner dies at, what was he? 59. 69. And, you know, so that's the headline, and they have the smaller writing right under it. And what they say there is they announce his death, you know, had the ball go between his legs in the 86 World Series cost I'm thinking, all right, now when you say the word Bill Buckner, that's the first thing that I think about. And truthfully, I could probably go back and there's other things I can remember if I'm prompted. But truthfully, that game, and I don't know why, this is why this one has stuck with me a little bit. That game, for whatever reason, I remember being in my grandparents' basement, orange shag carpet, one of those console TVs on bunny ears, you know, I assume Bob Costas on the call. I don't remember that, but it probably was. Sitting there four inches away from that TV, as you had to with those console TVs, watching that game, actively rooting for the Red Sox. I don't know why. I guess I'd be a nine-year-old kid, eight-year-old kid, and I picked a, you know, picked a team. And that ball, that is my first distinct sports memory. So, Obviously, when I hear that name, that's the first thing I think about. I wonder, is that the first sentence in the death announcement on a sport? Maybe it should be. I don't know. For whatever reason, it hit me wrong. And I don't. Am I being unreasonable? Am I being a whiny millennial <laughs> when I say that? No, I mean, I think it's it does him a, a disservice. Yeah, he made an error in a World Series. You can go back to World Series and pick out countless errors right. that probably lost games for teams. Oh, absolutely. Um, probably just, every World Series. Right. I mean, the man played 22 years in the big leagues, not floating around. I mean, right. he, I mean, obviously he played for quite a number of teams. Was not a, a spectacular player, a good fielder, average hitter, nothing spectacular. Rick, a career but, 289 hitter. By, yeah. by that's darn that, good for any era. By today's standards, that's Cobb. That's Tony Gwynn. I mean, well, yeah. Where yeah, in this day, where we're tra- launch angle and all this nonsense, where two twenty five is good enough as long as you hit thirty out. Uh, two eighty nine over a twenty two year career. Yeah. That's a, that was a wow to me. I didn't realize just how good he really was. Yeah, he he was a good ball player, and um, I, I know he played with the Dodgers. He played with. His, Red Sox, as you mentioned, I think he's with the Cubs. With the Cubs for a good uh, clip. Yeah, and um, you know, I remember Bill Buckner. I had Bill Buckner baseball cards and and so forth. I mean, that's how far back he goes. Right. You can remember him, right? And I'm a bit older than you are, and I have Bill Buckner baseball cards. So I mean, right. <laughs> you know, and you're so, more than a bit older than me. Let's not understand. Well, that's the same. Bill man. Buckner played more than a bit, right? Exactly. But so, it's just sad, you know. You you hate seeing, you know, the uh, like you said, sounded just. Just not a nice disease, that's no, for sure. No, and just sort of the – and he sort of embraced it, and he got through it and had a great career. You know, one thing, you know, you read that letter from Bart Starr and how gracious 
Bill Buckner was when the Red Sox invited him back after they'd won the World Series and he threw out the first pitch and they gave him the standing ovation and he said all the right thing. I'll tell you what, after 20 years of absolute torment and horrific things said to and about him, I ain't that dude. He's a better man than me. I'd have walked in. I'd have walked. I'd have accepted the invitation, and I'd have walked out there two middle fingers in the air. Yeah. I, I, what those god awful people put him through. The the Boston sports fans a special breed. They they make Philadelphia seem like kitty cats in a lot of in a lot of instances. And to go back and allow himself to be embraced after you know. Four months before, this guy was calling you an MFR, and now he's cheering you and he's crying. He's a better man than me. I could not have forgiven that. You know, I'm more the well. I would. I don't know if like Steve Bartman with the Cubs. They keep trying to get him to come back, and he just disappeared off the face of the planet. Right. He didn't want anything. Same thing. I'd have at a minimum take the Bartman tack if I wouldn't have accepted the invitation, come down, drop my pants, and threw two middle fingers in the air. Try to go to bed with that image in your head tonight, Rick. <laughs> That would be my response. How Bill Buckner was able to overcome that shows he's a better human than I am. See, that's why to I To be just, fair, that's a low threshold. Though. That's why I block you out, because you provide things that I do not want to envision ever. <laughs> and, I mean, it's – you know, and, and the guy was less than 200 hit, or excuse me, less than 300 hits away from 3,000 as well. Right. You know, 289 hitter and, yeah, good ball player. I mean, 289, it was good. Very good, even for that area, but it, era. But in today's context, <laughs> that's a wow right there. Oh yeah, yeah. He came into the league mm. in 1969 and uh, retired in 1990. It's a, <laughs> a whale of a career. Yes, right indeed. Able to stick around. All right. Well, enough of the death talk, Rick. What else we got today? Well, I just don't really have any idea. But no. uh, you know, we're talking about football. You know the OTAs and so forth. I came across a a gentleman by the name of Damon Sheehy Giuseppe, and I'm sure you know exactly Miss, who I'm talking uh, about. I'm good friends with the Sheehy Giuseppe. <laughs> What's the last name again? <laughs> Sheehy Giuseppe. Yeah, the Sheehy Giuseppe's from from down on the north side. Yeah, I know who you. Yeah. Mean. Um, but he's a wide receiver for Cleveland Browns. No you know kidding. that. No. Yeah, breaking news whenever yeah. it feels like breaking. You know, and his story is a lot different than Odell Beckham, if you, if you want to think about it. You're, this is your breaking news oh. sounder. All right. That, that didn't go over like I thought it would. Tell me about Mr. <laughs> Sheehy Giuseppe. Well, I'm just, I'm just going to give you a little background of uh, Damon Sheehy Giuseppe. Was a kick returner for Division Two. Phoenix College. He didn't receive a scholarship. All right. He searched for another school, but was told he only had one year of NCAA eligibility left and didn't have enough credits to transfer. He had one option left, turn pro. Sheehy Giuseppe tried out for the Canadian Football League and multiple times for the Arena Football League, but failed to make a team. At that point, he already had been in Arizona for a year and spent $100 participating in the CFL tryout, according to the Plain Dealer, which is obviously a newspaper. Of note. Yes. He then had made a connection with someone from a flag football league. The person let him know of a tryout taking place in Florida and to be on the lookout for Alonzo Highsmith, 
That's a familiar yeah, that's name. That's a name I remember, yeah. The vice president of player personnel for the Browns at the tryout. As soon as he saw Highsmith, he knew he had to introduce himself. He says, I just knew I had to make it look like we were friends, Giuseppe told the plane dealer. He impressed Highsmith with a 40-yard dash of 4.38. He was then invited to another tryout in Ohio. 4.38? Yeah. (laughs) Damn. However, there was a problem. He didn't have enough money to go back home and didn't have enough money to rent a room for a week. So instead, he slept outside at a 24-hour gym and trained for his workout in the gym. Then we got a chance to see it for ourselves, and you could see all of the explosive movement stuff that Alonzo was talking about, Brown's GM John Dorsey said. Then when you watch him field kicks and punts, you're going, okay, he can do this kind of stuff. So the Browns signed Giuseppe Sheehy Giuseppe to his 53-man roster. He told the newspaper he's going to do everything he can to prove he's worthy of a roster spot. And quote-unquote, no matter what opportunity I'm given, I want to become the greatest. If it's practice squad, I want to become the greatest practice squad player. I thought that was kind of an interesting little turn of what a a trip. Yeah, that's a guy you can root for, huh? even though he's on them Cleve Brownies. You always wonder, and you get these stories, it seems less and less these days where somebody just comes out of nowhere that you hadn't heard of. But the NCAA passes on them, the NFL passes on them, the CFL passes on them. You get a lot of these stories out of the Arena League, but sometimes the Arena League passes on them. And they have these types of measurables. It's, it's, it's odd. You wonder how somebody like this slips through. I, I hope he makes it. Oh, I do too. And um, – yeah, I mean, that is somebody that you can root for for real. Uh, and, I mean, it's, you know, I guess with every everybody having a camera in their pocket via cell phone, whatever, you know, they can film everything. How do you basically slip through unnoticed right. in this day and exactly. age? And, and I guess it takes being subjected to flag football, apparently. I don't know. Well, you run a 438 in a time where that's all that matters, right? No, nobody cares, the draft nicks anyhow. Nobody cares if you can play football. All they care about is what you can do in your underwear at your pro day and at the combine. How Obviously, he wasn't invited to the combine. I understand that. But how does a guy with 4.38 speed who can return kicks not get noticed somewhere along the way? It's wild. That, that's crazy. And how is he not making Canadian football teams or well, that, arena football that's teams? That's the other thing. How many four, three, eight guys? I mean, I could see maybe arena, arena football simply because the field's short, yeah, it's only narrow. Yards. Yeah, I mean, I can I can maybe see that because it's kind of hard to say. Well, he can really stretch the field. Right. I mean, yeah, how far can you stretch it? <laughs> but Canadian Football League really baffled me on how he couldn't make one of those teams unless. Yeah. The plain dealer's not revealing something to us that uh, we don't know about, Mr. Sheehy Giuseppe. Well, it's Canada. <laughs> Come on. Seriously. Well, I mean, it's a little more um, n- <coughs> notable than flag football. Yeah, a little bit. All right, Rick. So something I wanted to do today after our long hiatus, there was a lot, a lot, a lot. Oh, I know what it is, too. Oh, what's that? Ajayi. Well, we can talk about him if you'd like. <laughs> And That's he, what you wanted to say. It. He may fit into this at some point, but a lot of player movement 
over the winter and over the spring and and some interesting fits in terms of what they're going to mean for fantasy football squads and their real squads some some sort of head scratchers that, that I wanted to tackle so I just thought we'd take a spin around the league here a little bit look at some of the more some of the more interesting moves Let's out there and, and see where we come so uh, Baltimore start with Mark Ingram going up to Baltimore I fantastic move, right? I don't think there's a lot of discussion to have with that one. No, I think I, it's wonderful. I, I, You know, for the Baltimore Ravens, I think this is a guy that brings kind of like the the Baltimore identity with right. him. You know, yeah. good, hard-nosed, tough guy, and, and you know, good on his feet. I, th- I think it's just what the doctor ordered. And it seemed like, you know, name the myriad of names the last couple of years, the Alex Collins of the world, whoever they plugged in, for three or four weeks was the hottest commodity in fantasy football, and then they just sort of faded to the background. Yeah, here's a legit pro, seemingly able to stay healthy, and an offense with, in my opinion, and I think a lot of people's opinion, still very questionable at the passing game. This is going to be a run-first team. Yeah, I think just a fantastic fit and a guy that, that rockets up draft boards. Now, just going in alphabetical order here, Rick, Buffalo is the team that really, really intrigued me. You know, far as I've heard, Shady hadn't gone nowhere yet, right? Did, it, right. I, did I miss that headline? And you go out and you bring in your boy, the, the only guy in the NFL who's older than you, Frank Gore, <laughs> along with T.J. Yeldon, along with a LaShawn McCoy, I don't know. Maybe Frank Gore doesn't make this team when it's all said and done. I don't know. But let's start with that. And they did some interesting things at the receiver position I want to get into. But let's start at that running back position. Is this a – is this is harbinger the right word? Is this a peek into the future for LaShawn McCoy? Is maybe he a camp casualty? But what did those two sign? They didn't sign Jim Brown and Eric Dickerson. I grant you that. But these are two professional running backs – when you have a professional running back, I'm, I'm curious what – I don't know what to make of those moves. Well, you know, kind of like you said, I, as far as I know, there, it, it's been moot on Shady. Right. Yeah. Uh, basically the whole offseason, I don't think there's anything wrong with them from what I know. He comes into camp. I mean, this is just all hype. If you got to say he comes into camp healthy – you have Frank Gore, the consummate pro, who is just – he's like the ever-ready bat, ever batter. He just keeps on going. Then you have T.J. Yeldon, who, while Leonard Fournette was always banged up, always seemed to really put out – you know, have some nice output. You know, he could catch passes and, and you know, showing some explosiveness. If these three guys are healthy all through camp to start the season – I think it's very, like you said, it's intriguing, but I really think that they could have a really balanced but unbalanced for the defense's running attack. Is there any I mean, chance all three of those guys make the roster? I'm thinking Yeldon makes a lot of sense. I'm thinking one of Frank Gore or Shady McCoy isn't going to be there on opening day. I'm – I don't know. I mean, can you, can you, why would you even sign Frank Gore at 58 if you don't think that he can produce, which he's done nothing but produce <laughs> every year? I've declared his career over for seven seasons. And we've now. already saw, you know, and he adapted so perfectly, you know, with the Colts, 
And then last year, just with this part-time stuff. Right. You know, and, and he's doing fine. So, I mean, this is just what the doctor ordered. If, you, if you're running McCoy and then Yeldon on third down or whatever it is, you know, I don't know what the scheme is. They need a blow, bring in Frank at the goal, goal line, whatever. I mean, this could be something. I can't imagine they, they signed Frank Gore for much. No, well, that's just Yeldon's it. not a high-dollar guy. Yeah. So why not keep three? I mean, w- with the propensity of running backs getting hurt. Well, certainly. And if you've that. already got them on your roster, I, I, I any, don't know. one of them's making more than league minimum, we know certainly Shady is, you're going to carry three vets. I don't know. It's I just, don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see. Some of them wouldn't think I'd spend much time watching the Buffalo running. I don't know. <laughs> Watching the Buffalo running back situation this offseason, but I think I'm going to. And then look at what they brought in at receiver. You know, Cole Beasley and John Brown. Again, not Jerry Rice and and Randy Moss here. (laughs) But interesting what they're trying to do there, right, with your pure speed is what you got a hands guy and then John Brown, pure speed. I mean, uh, with with a young quarterback like Allen, that's what they're – I think you're seeing what this team's set up to do, right? We're going to run the ball. We're going to let Allen run the ball. We got our ball control with a guy like Cole Beasley, and you bring in John Brown. The kid's got a massive arm every, you know, 18 snaps. Just let him hurl back and throw it as far as he can and see if Brown can run underneath it. Kind of interesting. There's still going to be the Buffalo Bills. And but you've also got some nice backs that can catch the football. Right, exactly. <laughs> so you can see exactly what Buffalo's doing and what they think of their quarterback, I think, by these signings. I think that's what intrigued me by it with, with that group of signings. So and then we, so we got to talk about, you know, outside of Sheehy, Giuseppe, <laughs> is that right? Yeah. You know, there's another, believe it or not, there's another wide receiver who just showed up in Cleveland. Who was that? Who you may have heard of. His name's Odell Beckham oh, Jr. Yeah, yeah. He, he's that guy with the white hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, wow, right? <laughs> I mean, just – so let's look at this in a fantasy context. We know who he is with the uh, with being Odell Beckham Jr. Exactly, and we know they already have Jarvis Landry, and and we know the weapons they have on offense, and and what I think anyhow Baker Mayfield's going to be putting. Odell Beckham in that situation with the Cleveland Browns, you're talking a top three to four fantasy wide receiver. Does this bolster his value to you? Does it lessen his value to you? Does it remain flat? Is he still just OBJ? I've already heard the you're I'm doing the air quotes here, the quote unquote pundits. Already okay. talking about, you know, how's this gonna affect Beckham and Landry, you know. Are they going to get along? Is there too many miles to feed? No, there's not too many miles to feed. This is going to be an explosive offense. I think Jarvis Landry's stock goes up, and I think because of Jarvis Landry, I think Odell Beckham's stock goes up too because, you know what, Sterling Shepard ain't Jarvis Landry. No. Or anybody else on that giant team isn't Jarvis Landry. And I think quarterback is definitely in an upgrade, too. Oh, absolutely. You know, so I think stock is is skyrocketing on both of these guys. I think Landry gets back to 
the guy we've defended his whole career, right. especially the Miami days, he's going to go out and catch 100 balls yeah. for maybe 1,000 yards. But you know what? That's 100 catches and 1,000 yards. Yeah. So we can go back to being the only two people in the fantasy industry. Now I'm doing the air quotes as if we're really in the fantasy industry who don't get pissed off at a guy who catches 109 balls. <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're the only two well, who don't find that offensive. Look at his yards per catch. It is, it is down from two years ago. 109. Shut up. <laughs> That's what I have to say. I agree. So. I mean, I think I, I just think that, like I said, I think the stock is is up on both of these guys. And let's not forget, you still have Najoku. I mean, a good solid tight end, young. Right. I mean, this team physical is freak loaded. With, physical freak with Njoku. You know, reminds right. reminds me a lot of. Vernon Davis, you know, when he came out of Maryland, just a healthy good, Vernon Davis. Well, yeah. there's that, but just great hands, a physical marvel, an amazing athlete. And you saw how long we've talked about, of course, we said Baker Mayfield is an upgrade to Eli Manning. We talked about the receivers. We talked about, we haven't even tiptoed back to the backfield yet. Yeah, yeah, we don't even need to go there. <laughs> right. You know, with Chubb and. And we're talking about Duke Johnson wanting out of there. Right. You know, there's I mean, no, this guy's a talent. There's no more room for him at this point. Very, very interesting. I'm going to keep an eye on Duke Johnson, too, because I'd love to see where he's going to end up or if he's going to be buried in that backfield. Yeah, you wonder. Talk about keeping three. Yeah, yeah you wonder. It's going to be. It's going to be tough there with with those type of weapons. Now that you have a legitimate threat like Odell Beckham on the outside, you get Jarvis Landry more into that possession role where he belongs. Plus, what an enjoy. You wonder how much work there's going to be. There's always going to be work to the running backs in this league now, right? Because that's, oh, that's a lot of teams running games is throwing to the running back. Now, Cleveland may end up going that way. But I could see I could see Duke Johnson disappearing, which, which is a shame because it was always a ninth nice 10th 11th round pick stash him somebody gets hurt you need a bump for a week and gonna kind of hate to see him go well yeah and i mean he would certainly give you that bump especially in ppr leagues too oh absolutely and um and of course uh what gerald mccoy is talking to the browns and the ravens who you know got away from the bucks i mean he's gonna help Let's either, not forget the browns already play some defense no <laughs> kidding they play stars yeah. on that defense you know, I, they might be a year or two away. If Baker Mayfield stays healthy, which there's no indication he wouldn't, and he, if he's what he looks like he can be after last season, this team's setting up now again, and I still feel obligated to say it, although it's hard to say right now, they're still the Browns. I'm still sitting around waiting for figure out how they're going to f this up because that's what they do. But this one's going to be a little harder for them to mess but up. But I, I want you just to kind of envision, say, week eight or nine. Baker Mayfield's healthy, okay. Nick Chubb's healthy. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Najoku's still healthy. No, no major injuries on the line other than the normal dings, right? Now you got a guy can't name Kareem Hunt coming back, right? And I mean, they could, yeah. I mean, do do I think they're the super, you know, handing the Super Bowl title? No, but I'll tell you what, I think this team, if they play the brand of defense that they've been playing, even just the last two or three years, nobody's going to be looking past them in the playoffs. Well, no, that's for sure. No, certainly not. 
So heading down to Dallas, a little less exciting. Randall Cobb at the back end just can't seem to. Yeah, they've got Amari Cooper down there now, but really nothing to supplement it there. But I figured, Rick, what you'd have brought up the first second we cracked the mics last week after the hiatus is your boy, your man crush, your guy love. Let's go. It's guy love. Jason Witten out of the booth and back on the sidelines in the big yeah. D, buddy. Tell me how he's going to end up a top five fantasy tight end. I can't. Oh, all right. Look, I mean, the guy you disappointed me. I was the, hoping the guy's second in age to Frank Gore. I think <laughs> his, his knees were shot two years ago. Jason Witten already told him to take a day off in OTAs which was just reported on today. He made him take the day. He just had a year off. Um, look, it's a feel-good story. Right. That's what it is. Everybody loves Jason Wittens, and God forbid we don't want him in the booth again, so we might as well stick him on the field, right? That's true. So, That's true. I mean, and, and it's Jason Witten. He's still going to be better than Blake Jarwin, Dalton Schultz, or Rico Gathers, right? Fair. Even at 48. So, I mean, yeah, it's great that he's there, but being a top five tight end, those days are long gone. No, no he's a red zone specialist, right? He'll have six or seven touchdowns, I'll bet you. Yeah, very, he's like, um, yeah, I mean, Antonio Gates with the Chargers. You know who he's, who he's going to be. You remember Bubba Franks? That's who he's going to be. <laughs> Bubba. You remember Bubba? No, I remember Bubba Franks. I can, I can remember Bubba Franks. Here was then his... he, he came right after Chamura, wasn't yeah, it? I it think was so. messing around with that teenager I think or whatever. You, yeah. I think you're right. So Bubba had this stat line with Brett Favre every game of his career. You can look it up. <laughs> One catch, four yards, one touchdown yeah. every week. And I remember this is my early days in fantasy football. There's no tight end premium. There was no PPR. There was The scoring was much simpler, where touchdowns were the most important. So I rostered me a whole lot of Bubba Franks. Jason Witten could be that guy this year. Third down, you need a four-yard you know, first down. He's going to be very limited. But I'm disappointed. I thought you'd be a little more excited, and I'd get to mock you for it. But here you are being well, all realistic. And I mean, I, I have to be excited when, save for Amari Cooper, this is, your, this is your other options at wide receiver right now. You have Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb, Alan Hearns, Tavon Austin, Noah Brown, and I will give you the first names of all these other guys, Sed, Lance, Devin, Reggie, John Bay, and Jalen. So you did give me the last names, pal. Sounds like a good boy band from the 90s. Uh, I, yeah, I'll tell you what. Future show, my outlook towards the Cowboys isn't too hot. No, no, I think it's it's going to be rough. Ezekiel Elliott. Roughing up security guards. Did you see that? <laughs> roughing it up. He took, a dive. he took a bit of a dive. Oh, a I'm bit re- of a dive. <laughs> He's trying to get that paid. Was, that was that was major penalty worthy in the NHL, for God's sake. No, I did see on ESPN. He doesn't want any money. All he wants is a sincere apology from Zeke. You believe that? No, <laughs> I don't. What is a sincere apology? He wants them to mean it. Say, yeah. I'm sorry you brushed my shoulder and I rolled three times. I'm no, you sorry. know what I want? I want a skybox to every home game. <laughs> he doesn't want any money. He wants any money, sincere... I want to go to a game. <laughs> and I'll root for Zeke. 
Oh, man. It, it, I'm just Goodell's probably trying to find a way to suspend him for eight more games didn't for that. do anything. I know. But Goodell, they don't get and, along. And, and, and why did he walk over to him? Because the guy was trying to, <clears throat> to pull his weight. Right. Being a security guard. Hey, you got the you got the yellow shirt on, you got the power, yeah. pal. It's that simple. Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda like uh you know, it's it's kinda like any schlep that gets a badge at the Hall of Fame oh. game. You walk in the locker oh, room. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We we were those schleps one time. Not anymore. Well, we were professionals. Oh, all right. What do you think about Devin Funches to Andy? Devin Funches is a guy I can't quit. I should quit by now. He's just so big, and when it gets going well for him, he looks so dominant, and then he turns into Devin Funches again, and I sound like an idiot. No, you know. Is it a better situation in Indy? Oh, 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 yeah. Think about it, though. I mean, name the last big-time receiver from Carolina. Steve Smith, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it. And it's a whole different mold with a guy like Funches. Yeah, well, it's a whole different mold, but, I mean, he's going to an offense that can establish the run game with Mack and Hines. They, they did it once they finally got them healthy last year. And, oh, by the way, they have Spencer Ware in there, who isn't a real slouch for a backup, right. any, you know. You well, gotta, what we know with this team over the last several years, he's going to get some. He's going to play a significant role. Exactly. Andrew Luck's shoulders fine. He proved that last year. And now you have a Devin Funches to back up T.Y. Hilton. I mean, this and Eric Ebron. So you saw what he did coming from the tight end graveyard yeah. in Detroit and goes to Indianapolis. Devin Funches, look out. I mean, he could be. Look, is he going to put up numbers like Hilton? No. He's not that fast or in a, a real field stretcher. But I'll tell you, he's a great red zone target. Right. You know, it's him nice. and Ebron, I, you know, they could both be double digits. What I'm going to be watching for more than anything this year, you know, you can always blame as great as Cam Newton is, and he is. What I'm going to be watching – there's such an upgrade at the quarterback position, especially in terms of the pure passer, you know, that now a healthy Andrew Luck is. I've always been struck with the feeling, with nothing to base it on, just watching him play, that the real problem with Devin Funches is, is he seems a little lazy. Not lazy in the in the gym or anything, but just routes. What I'm wondering, is he just so big that he looks like he's lumbering when really he's not? Or is he that? Is he not a – I know he's not a great route runner, but is he lazy in it or are his hands not good? Or was it just being a product of that system? Because it it, it didn't even happen over a course of seasons or games. It would happen in the course of a game, in the course of a quarter, where for three or four possessions – everything was going hit and he was pulling in everything and then he would just flat disappear for 57 minutes we've talked about it with the Steelers and I know I have been and and you've never really disagreed about the fact of it with the Panthers that neither offense and Cam Newton is not a leader on that team if things are going bad right Things go downhill That's real true. quick. That's true too. With yes. him, he doesn't he doesn't lift them back up. You know, without you know, 
you don't have that Steve Smith fire. Right. You don't have the Heinz Ward fire that they had with the Steelers offense and a few other players. Things like that tend to happen when you don't have a captain of a squad, at least one guy yelling, getting on people's can case about, you know, you, did, you ran the wrong route. No, if, if, if something happened with the Steelers, it was A.B. throwing a tantrum right. and then Ben criticizing him on his show, <laughs> and then, then it's tit for tat the whole way down. Cam Newton – with with the Panthers, conversely, his was with his little derby great on great hat. <laughs> great hat I on I in the press conference, looking like, like you ever see that? Um, I forget what it is is a little gummy bear commercials where they're in the boardroom and they all have like the oh, little yeah, kid yeah. voices. That's about <laughs> what he's like in a press conference. It's like this big man is like this little spoiled kid, right, And he's right. mad he's gonna take his ball and go home. Yeah. Well. I think long about way to getting to this point, Devin Funch is going to the Colts. I think it just automatically his route running is going to improve because Andrew Luck and T.Y. Hilton and on and coaching staff will demand it. Right. And, and the offense is going to demand it. So, you know, it, it, I mean, look, you, you don't have a whole bunch of talent sitting behind him. But Andrew Luck's thrown passes to Chester Rogers. Right. And he'll get playing time if Devin Funch is out there slugging around. Right. Right? So, and I it's mean, got to be easier to play wide receiver with Andrew Luck than it is Cam Newton. It I just, would think so. It has to be. I would think. And one thing I failed to mention, I shouldn't say necessarily Ebron, but the tight end position with Jack Doyle coming back, they're certainly guaranteed for double-digit touchdowns right. at the tight end position, yeah, too. Absolutely. Because with Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron, Andrew Luck's just having licking his chops oh, yeah. getting ready for this year. Going to be prolific. So let's get back to Rick. Let's go! It's guy love. Somebody else you're in love with. Oh, I have a feeling sure you may be more optimistic with this. But one of Rick Briggs' other man crushes is <laughs> now a New Orleans Saint filling in that secondary role behind Alvin Kamara as Latavius Murray heads down to the Big Easy. Does he slide right into Ingram and become that fantasy viable, almost low-end RB1, even as the second fiddle to an Alvin Kamara? Or is it more of the Latavius Murray we saw – in fits and starts up in Minnesota. I think it's going to be more Elvin Kamara unless, unless, well, I shouldn't say unless. I think it's going to be more Elvin Kamara until Latavius Murray really starts getting in a groove with this offense. Because let's face it, this is going to be a totally different offense with Drew Brees at the helm and Sean Payton calling the plays as it was in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins and so forth. However, I think that Latavius Murray has all the tools. I've always liked this guy. Um, he's a good, hard runner. And you know yourself, when he's in the red zone, he can score. And with Alvin Kamara there, I think Latavius Murray's situation is only that much better. Because he's not coming into this system thinking, yeah, I'm going to maybe get the starting nod, this, that, and the other. And he may not get as much playing time, especially at first. I mean, cause unless Kamara gets hurt. 
But I think it's going to be a great situation for him, and I think he's going to be very dependable for Breeze and that whole New Orleans offense as they progress through the season. Yeah, I don't think you see him do what Ingram does. I think you see what you saw him do, not what he does, what you saw him do. I think – I think he probably gets about as many carries. I just don't know if he's is successful with it. I think this is a boom for Alvin Kamara. You know, I'm going to see how the summer shakes out. I'm probably not breaking any news here. I'm pretty comfortable Alvin Kamara is going to be my RB1 as we head into this season. I think there will be a few more touches. You saw I got him at 2 behind uh you know Saquon, but I mean right. other than that right. it's yeah. yeah. And, I mean and, and he's and right there. And and you saw what he was able to do when Ingram was suspended at the beginning of last year when the entire offense ran through him. I think Murray's good enough to spell him, but not so good as to be what Mark Ingram was in that offense. Does Latavius Murray have fantasy value? I think so. Oh, you know, yeah. I think this is a, you know, a 40 or 50 yards and a touchdown per week kind of guy, however he goes about getting his 40 or 50 yards. But one nice thing about Murray was with that last year last um, in Minnesota there, he did prove, you know, with Dalvin Cook and everything being out, that he was a legitimate guy coming out of the backfield and catching passes too. Right. right. Which falls right into place for Breeze. So, I mean, at least – I mean, kind of like Ingram. If he gets in there and he gets used to that offense and so forth, you could see some pretty decent output from him coming out. And while we're on the subject of the Saints, one guy that you and I were partial to, and of course with um, uh, our, our boy Rilio Antonio, because they had him as a client, was Cameron Meredith. Right. Any value in Cameron Meredith, is he going to come back to any sort of fantasy value. I mean, right now you got Michael Thomas, obviously. They got Ted Ginn starting as the, or listed as the second receiver. And then um, you have uh, Trey Con Smith and Austin Carr and then Cameron Meredith. And of course, he's still coming off an of injury. I liked what I saw with him early on in the rookie year. Right. But ever since he's got injured, he's, you know, never have even had an impact. Yeah. If he's healthy. I think he's a nice second fiddle to a guy like Michael Thomas. I, I really do. I just don't trust that, that he's – look, in deeper leagues, I think he's worth a stash. I don't think you see him anywhere else outside of your 16-team leagues. But, guy, I don't know if it's clouded because I do root for him because of the relationship. I don't know that. But we saw him flash in Chicago, right? right. Big time. Where, whereas, you know, I think we talked about him as a you know low-end 2-3 going into the season and, and the situation couldn't be better so if all things being equal if he's healthy what better situation could you be in than to be in new orleans behind a guy as dominant as michael thomas and your next closest competition is ted ginn i the, the, the kid's got a shot and i'll be rooting for him yeah but i think we forgot both. the most important one in new orleans and i don't want to harp here too long but don't forget jared cooks in new orleans now mr briggs oh i know is this Finally, finally, is this finally the Jimmy Graham replacement we have dubbed every jerkwad who played tight end and knew? Or was Jimmy Graham Jimmy Graham, and that's the only reason the tight end was that prolific in New Orleans at that time? Have we made that decision yet? I think I think Jimmy Graham's Jimmy Graham, just like Tony Gonzalez was Tony Gonzalez. Jared Cook, 
I mean, I think he can have success in New Orleans, but the success of like Jimmy Graham? No, I don't think so because those are rare, rare combos. Right, Gates and Rivers. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you just don't you just don't come across those kind of connections all the time. I don't think Jared Cook is that guy with Drew Brees. I think he'll catch a share of passes. Josh Hill gets platooned in as well um, in this offense, and, and he's been around a few years, so, of course, he's more versed to it. So, I mean, I don't think he's going to step in and, and just make these huge numbers. I, I really don't. Um, I, so, last I, year, 68 grabs, just short of 900 yards, six TDs. Higher, lower, right about I there. mean, I think that's pretty reasonable, but I don't think you're going to have the – 12 catch 200 yards no, and two no. touchdowns like you did in that in that year no. and then he disappear well you know, yeah I, we did have a lot of that you're right yeah I mean I think it could be more steady just because this offense just hums along and, and that's what happens so yeah I mean I think that's reasonable all right let's jump around here I, I kind of want to wrap this up and talk about something else or call it a day I don't even know where we're at in the show here doesn't matter let's we jump, can do whatever we want true let's jump to the biggies Le'Veon Bell to the Jets already not showing up for voluntary workouts which okay they're voluntary Adam Gase essentially coming out as soon as he gets a chance and saying I never wanted this joker to begin with it's the Jets not the Steelers he hasn't played real football in a long time Le'Veon Bell, right now looking like his ADP is around the end of the first, beginning of the second round in fantasy drafts. Where at? Let's let's pose it this way, and then we'll branch out from there. Where is Rick Briggs going to feel comfortable drafting Le'Veon Bell? You know how you uh, you know you come up to an intersection. Okay. You have a stoplight, right? Right. Yeah, you, know, you got red for stop, green for go. I'm on the yellow. Right. So. Let's just let's just hold it right now. We haven't seen this guy do anything in two years. Right. We have no idea what kind of shape he's in, what he's going to be looking at. I can wait for training camp. There's all kinds of coverage of training camp. I can find out a lot more come July than I can sit here and say, oh, yeah, I think I'm going to draft him at the end of the first. All right, Scott Fishbowl's coming up here in less than a month, or probably right about a month. Where are you comfortable taking him right now, knowing what you don't know, I guess, not what you know because you don't know squat? Uh, well, he's certainly not at the end of the first. I don't think. He's I, not I, a, he might to, not even be a second Not to me. Not, not in a two-quarterback league. There's well, no, no chance. So that, I, I'm, That's a different animal. Right. Yeah. But, okay, we'll just take the two-quarterback out. Depending on who goes, and, and I would have to get a list just to – in my mind's eye, because of you know this just kind of kind of came off the wall here. I don't really know where he's at, but I don't have him top ten right now. Okay, that's that's interesting. If I do, he's very close. Um, you know, if you could pad for a minute, I can pull up running backs, and I'll tell you exactly if I got a draft well, in the Scott Fishbowl. That's what I'm doing, Rick, and we're going to play the game. Okay, if I can, if I can get it pulled up here. I can get all right so this will be simple get your dinger or your buzzer out here. okay here's your dinger that'll be if you're going to take Le'Veon Bell ahead of that man 
Okay, and then the the other one is going to be if, if, I'm taking, if you're taking the other this, man, this gentleman ahead. Got gotcha. you. All right, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, oh. Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley. Ooh, that's, that's close. You think, that, that's a close one now because, yeah. Uh... Okay, hit pause on Todd Gurley. I won't make you answer okay. that one yet. So now we get into James Conner. There's an interesting one. So that that's where you're at. So you're about seven or eight somewhere okay. in there with him right now. All right. Which is going to get you good way through And I the might even round. take Johnson over him. Okay, yeah, there, there's a name we, we didn't get to on the list. I guess I can go through others real quick. Uh, Joe Mixon, I think we'd take Bell, right? Uh, Nick Chubb. Ooh, well, yeah, because you you always have the Kareem Hunt fear later on. Right. Uh, probably. And then kind of David Johnson rounds out what would yeah. be any type of tier he would be Okay, on. so, so yeah, he's around seven, seven or eight, eight so, somewhere okay. in there. So, yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I wonder what it is he could do in camp or in the preseason because he's probably not going to play much that would change that for me. You're either going to get a value or you're going to throw away a second-round pick. And I, I don't know what to make of him. I, I almost feel like it can't work out. It, it, it all it, It's the Jets, number If he one. wasn't happy in Pittsburgh, how is he going to be happy with a guy that didn't even want him to start with? Right. And if you think the Pittsburgh media was rough on you, oh, yeah. start your nonsense in New York. Let, yeah. let me know how that goes. You know, put out a rap video in Miami, you know, <laughs> two days before a game in New York. Let me know how the New York Post treats you. You right. know, I, I just I don't see see a way this works out. It's going to be one I know several times I'm going to be in the mid to late second round staring at Le'Veon Bell trying to decide what to do. And I don't know which way I'm going to go yet. I, I really don't. So in that vein, Rick, let's jump out to Oakland, Antonio Brown. I saw a mock draft today on the tweeters where he went mid-third round. Antonio Brown, mid-third round. I think it's almost universally accepted he's going to take a step back. But now we're talking about a guy going from in the first three picks of fantasy drafts to not being in the first eight to ten wide receivers taken. Where are we at on Antonio Brown? I don't think we're that low here in the asylum, quite frankly. Look, the guy is nuts, but he's also nuts about staying in shape. And I think he has enough anger and a big enough chip on his shoulder that he's going to do whatever he can to prove Pittsburgh wrong. That's going to be the question. How long does it last? Because it's going to be great in September. Does it oh, last sure. the whole season? Does it make it till they lose three or four games in a row? I don't How think, long does I don't it think last? that means anything, quite frankly. I, th- I think if he's getting nine, ten catches a game and 100 yards and a touchdown, that's I think incredible. he's going to be just fine. That's an, look at me. Look at, look at me. Can, D- can Derek Carr provide that? I think Derek Carr can, can the offensive line. That's my – look, you, you know, they, they got Josh Jacobs for running back, and behind him is Jalen Richard, Doug Martin. 
it's it's the offensive line that's going to run this offense. Right. Uh, I, I can't put it all on Carr. Do I have as much faith in him as I had a few years ago when he was first coming in the league thinking, hey, this, guy, this cat's pretty good? I think he's okay. I think he's a – he could certainly be Kirk Cousins-like. That'd be a big upgrade for him. Actually. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he can if he has some protection. Um, Antonio Brown does provide some um, experience there, but then again, now you've lost uh, the tight end. Now you're down to Luke Wilson. Right. So, I don't know. Let's play the game. Okay. Let's do, I'll tell you what, let's do it this way. Poison. Let's just play pick your poison. Man, well, you don't got to – Hammer buttons there. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, Hopkins. Devontae Adams. Adams. Julio Jones. Julio. Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas. Odell Beckham. Beckham. Juju Smith-Schuster. I'm going Juju. I'm kind of leaning that way myself. Mike Evans. Evans. Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen. T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton. Okay. A.J. Green. Antonio Brown. Okay, so we're looking, what, at 10? So, yeah, I mean. Probably, yeah. That's how far he's fallen, you know. Anybody else after uh, Amari Cooper, Adam Thielen, Diggs, Cooks. Thielen could get in there. Oh, yeah. Thielen makes a compelling case, doesn't he? And and the reason, it's not so much a knock on Brown as it is, look, this, these numbers Brown have been put up, have been, have put up. They don't come from just because you are wonderful. This comes from a lot of experience and a lot of chemistry. Look, they didn't get along, apparently. But him and Ben Roethlisberger did have that quarterback-receiver chemistry. Oh, on the field, absolutely. And, you know, just to walk into a brand-new offense, that doesn't always work out. Now, it did with Randy Moss and Tom Brady. Right. But it didn't with Chad Johnson and Tom Brady. Or anybody else in Tom Brady, quite frankly, not named Gronk. Or, yeah, or Julian Edelman. Right. Or, yeah, Wes Welker. One of the big-name people they brought up there, it's only been Moss and only for that one season. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, I think to have those kind of number expectations for Brown, I think, I think it's just being a little bit too optimistic. Look, Derek Carr is not Ben Roethlisberger either. I think that's the biggest thing, right? You don't have Ben Roethlisberger. You and don't have Le'Veon Bell in the backfield. There, there's a lot you don't have going for you as Antonio Brown. You are these almost sole and primary focal point of this right. offense now. We have seen, you know, look at the Landry Jones games. Look at the whatever idiot backup games. When Ben Rod, now those are backups. Derek Carr is much better than them, but no real great feature running game. And you always hear the debate, you know, especially from the Yinzers and a lot of the stuff the locally, you know, that Brown made Roethlisberger and vice versa. Okay, well, look at you know, they, you know, Antonio Brown bailed out Ben Roethlisberger. Blah blah. Look, this was a product going back to that chemistry thing. How many plays did? Antonio Brown bailed Ben Roethlisberger out of? True. But how many plays was Ben Roethlisberger extending by breaking tackles and running right. out and so forth? And they still found each other. That is well, anybody, it's, just, it's just a totally different – you can't 
say, okay, well, Derek Carr is going to run around and break tackles like Ben Roethlisberger. It's physically impossible. You know, Cam Newton can. That's about it. Okay, right. that, that's basically it. Anybody brings up that argument's an idiot because Ben Roethlisberger's got two rings on his hand that Ben Roethlisberger won before Antonio Brown was Antonio right. Brown. So exactly. That that conversation's over for me right then, right here, right now. Last one I want to get to. We don't have to spend too much time on it, but this one was very interesting to me and what I think it means for the team, but very disappointing to me in terms of the fantasy player. Tevin Coleman to San Francisco, Rick. I know. I, I was waiting for you to uh, to come up with that because I actually had San Francisco pulled up here just to keep me reminded. Um, look, if Jarek McKinnon's healthy, and we already know what Matt Breida can do, that is – a. Um, those are guys I maybe will have on my bench right. in late rounds because I don't think there's there's anybody coming out of that thing as any type of fantasy stud. No. no. Simple as that. Tevin Coleman, look, Tevin Coleman, I never was high on him fantasy-wise. Good dependable back. But when Freeman was hurt, he never really took that lead role and, and, and was the, the stud with Atlanta. Right, he had games. He wasn't games, the consistency but he wasn't, I wanted to see. He wasn't the the Freeman like numbers no, no. that he had when he was healthy. So, I don't think he's going to step into this offense. Jimmy Garoppolo coming back from a blown knee, so we, we're not even sure about him. So, I mean, you know, if something, if he takes a step back, now you have Nick Mullins or or, or Beathard, you know, Bethard, Beathard, Beathard. <laughs> CJ Beathard. Beathard. <laughs> Here comes the email. Or, or you could Ajay. be. I mean, you notice I, I could have. Of course, we're not a family show anymore. I wasn't going to go beat hard. Yeah, so, I, I mean, don't, <laughs> I'm still not sure you can say that anymore. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, I can beat a drum as hard as I want. That's true. Right. And That's I'm beating my drum to stay away from the San Francisco backfield. You know what pissed me off about this one, though? Jarek McKinnon. Well, there's that. So Jarek McKinnon always kind of. Jeff Wilson. Always kind of. Well, no. yeah, Jeff Wilson really pisses me <laughs> off. I don't know who Jeff Wilson is. Anyhow, so you, you have McKinnon always kind of wrapped up in a crowded backfield. And he goes out to San Francisco, and he's going to be in the, the feature back and what we think is going to be a good offense. Finally, we're going to get to see what McKinnon is. And then he gets injured, so we're robbed of that last season. And then Tevin Coleman, you know, sort of up and down last year, but again, never really in the feature role, always kind of in the middle of a crowded backfield. So now he's going to go somewhere and make his own. No, no, he goes to San Francisco, puts not only himself, but Jarek McKinnon right back in that damn mess they've been in their whole careers. So that's who they are, right? They're going well, to be guys who put up decent numbers, good luck pinpointing the right game because they're messed up. And I wanted to see both of these guys out. I know there's very few outside of his. Ezekiel Elliott, true feature backs anymore, but see a guy where they're clearly the lead guy. There's not clearly a lead guy in San Francisco anymore with Tevin Coleman going out there, and that that just irritated me. I was less excited about about uh, Coleman as I was seeing McKinnon in that role, and they, they, we almost had a year of it, but the injury. But now they're back together. They're Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman all over again. The, the, the simple – they're – Ladanian Tomlinson and Michael Turner. You know what I mean? It's it's where they belong. Probably. probably I mean, reverting back to the we, mean. We yeah. had this um, 
we had this conversation when Peterson got hurt in Minnesota. If McKinnon was so damn good, why is he splitting time with Matt Asiata? True, true. Then why is he splitting time with Latavius Murray? Then he's going to be the star in San Francisco. Devontae Freeman's hurt, and Tevin Coleman takes over. Why is Edo Smith playing a bunch of time? <laughs> he did play a lot. Uh, I mean, that's just who they are. Right. And and let's face it, they're going to lose a lot of playing time to Breida because that guy put up some numbers as well. And, you know, with Garoppolo coming back, I don't even know what to expect from him or this team. Yeah. A lot of people are saying they're going to make noise challenge for the division. I, I've got that yellow light on again right, right. now. i got some high, higher hopes for them, but I don't know. I mean, to have confidence in a, in a what I would call a mediocre backfield. Right. And a, a quarterback coming off a bad knee injury. I don't know. I, I just don't have that high hopes for that team. Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be tough. Well, more on that in the summer. That's all I got. Rick, you got anything else, or can we go home? Well, you know, I mean, we were, we've been talking for about an hour on um, football, sports in general, you know, the death of Bill Buckner and so forth, right? We have. And I would say that um, if I can get my uh, computer to actually pull this up, there it is. Um, yeah, I would actually say that you and I, it, it's fair to say that we're addicted to sports. Yeah. We're addicted to talking about sports and so forth. Hearing our own voices. Yeah. And I just got to thinking, you know, as strange as that is, there's probably stranger addictions out there. Ooh, this could be fun. Wouldn't you think? Okay. And just to give you an example of one, Trichel Tillamania. Trichel Tillamania. Yes. All right. That's compulsive hair pulling. Your own or somebody else's? No, you pull out your own hair. Why would you do that? From your, it's from your head, your eyelashes, your eyebrows, beard, arms, anywhere. Is that what happened to you? People who have this condition experience high levels of anxiety uh, until yeah. they pull some hair out. Huh. And sometimes they eat the hair. <laughs> well, of course. So you're going to go to all the trouble to yank it out of your head. Um, and here's just a few more others. We won't go on all of them, but coffee enemas apparently are addicting is that like literally yes blowing coffee up the tube yes what's that supposed to do that's got to be some hollywood nonsense right hyalophagia all right that's an addiction for eating glass well that addiction can't <laughs> last long right that one's got to pretty much take care of itself I yeah, number one, it's kind of like cliff diving. How do you practice this? Well, right. Yeah. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I you mean, should like, be dead after the first time. Well, right? apparently not. I mean, some people are in, addicted to eating glass often admit to enjoying the attention, but also often sustain serious injuries. No kidding. As, really? as you might imagine. Oh, that's that's odd. Yeah. Who, who could have seen it coming? I I don't know, but I, I thought that was one of the more um, pleasant ones. Um, let's see. Here's a couple other ones here. Let's see. Eating dirt. Um, geo, geography. Ge, I, I don't even know how to pronounce half of these words. <laughs> Shocker. Um, but it's actually very normal for some cultures 
but if consumed in large amounts, or depending on what's in it, dirt can be very bad for you. <laughs> Eating soap or laundry detergent. Wouldn't that kill you? What are all them dumb kids eating those Tide if, Pod things and croaking? While regular bar soap probably, and that's in quotes, probably won't kill you, it will absolutely liquefy your bowels. <laughs> and people have died eating laundry detergent. No, well, no shit. I mean, <laughs> my God. I mean, I, I, you know, they say it's a mental condition, and I certainly wouldn't want to... Uh, well, I you wouldn't know, hope diminish. a normal person was eating soap. I mean, of course it's a mental condition. He's perfectly normal, except in his lunchbox every day, there's a box of <laughs> eight died. Died. I mean, Come on. It won't even diminish it. Clearly they're nuts, I'll say. You're not supposed to say that anymore, but come on. Quit eating yeah, I mean, uh, that's just, uh, and my computer's locking up, but I just thought that was very strange. No, I ate plenty of, not ate, but had, you know, had to put soap in my mouth plenty as a kid. Did your parents employ that tactic? What? When you oh, cursed, wash my you, mouth? you had oh, to wash yeah. your mouth out with soap? Yeah. Never, never killed me, but I tell you yeah. what, Some of that I washed my mouth. <laughs> lava soap was the worst. Oh, lava soap was rotten, That man. stuff was rotten. I mean, it had pumice in it. It was rough on the teeth. What's a, what's a pumice? Pumice is, um, it's like volcanic, volcanic rock. They grind up. Well, that can't be good. No, they they grind up, and you know that's why it's always rough. That's what yeah, the pumice is. Helps you scrub. Yeah, and you've seen scrub you, the grease you've seen off those pumice bars. It's basically that's all it is. It's just like a hard. Oh, is that what they use to take the dead skin off their feet all over my living room? <laughs> Gross. I, yeah, I mean if if that's what they do, yes. This doesn't happen in your house? Is this unique to mine? Oh, no. No. Where they'll just sit around scraping their feet off all <laughs> over my living room floor? It's horrific. Well, they have those little ones with a battery now that catches it in a little... Wait, what is this? Look at it. Oh, there you go. Oh, oh, oh. oh Christmas ideas Christmas ideas right there in May. I just gave you one. We should have a, cr- a Yeah, they Christmas have those little things. You see the little... Kind of looks like a... Um, you know, the electric razor surface, All in right. a way, you know, like a little thing. It's got, I don't know, a double-A battery or something like that. It's got this little plastic cup or something attached to it to catch all that. I mean, it's gross when you look at it. It goes across, and it just kind of... Have you ever shaved skin off your foot? No. Why, why, why do they need to do this? I don't know. So they're smooth. Well, who cares? I had What's a planter's work cut out of my foot when I was a kid. Gross. That hurt. I hate feet. That hurt. I don't touch I my hate planters, warts. I, you know, I have a separate in the shower foot bar of soap. It just sits on the floor of the shower, and I wash my feet on that because I'm not touching my own feet, let alone somebody else. I wouldn't touch those damn things Gross. either. Feet are I, horrific. I don't know. I like mine. So that's a phobia. Maybe we'll do a phobia show one what day, a, but that's certainly you mine. You pad for a minute. Feet. I'm going to look it up. What, what a Just, foot phobia is? Yeah. What kind of animal would have to have a foot bar of soap creating slippery conditions in his shower because he won't touch his own feet? I can't do it. It's, it's, it's just awful. Well, the fear of feet is... Photophobia? Podophobia. Pod, you know, it's like a podiatrist, podophobia. Uh, well, there we go. To most people, the fear of feet phobia might sound weird or bizarre. However... Podophobia does exist and is quite common, specific phobia affecting many people across the globe, especially moronic idiots that drink <laughs> Diet Pepsi while they're doing radio shows. 
I don't think it says that. <laughs> yes, I think it does. It says it right there. <laughs> Damn liar. <laughs> hey, real quick before we get out of here, yeah. i got to get your take. Have you seen, well, I'm sure you have, these stories of these idiots dying, waiting in line for days at a time to reach the summit of Mount Everest. Have, have you seen this? Yeah. This, this traffic jam. Yeah. I got two thoughts. Number one, you're an idiot if you're going to stand in line and die <laughs> to go to the summit. Number two, is climbing Mount Everest actually that big of an accomplishment if it takes if you have to take a damn number when you get up there? <laughs> make a to reservation get to, the to get is there? Is it really that big a deal? You remember you think, you know, that used to be yeah, like this, a saying. This, this, this isn't. isn't this isn't that hard. It's not climbing Everest. Well, apparently any a-hole yeah. can climb Everest. What What is this? Yeah, this isn't 1900 any longer when it was something right. because all you had for clothing was wool coats and things of that nature, and the, the equipment was heavy and bulky. And, yeah, I mean, it was quite the accomplishment. And not every moron had the money to go do that right. either. Right. No, I get it. You know, it's Nepal. I think this is a huge, huge portion of their economy. People you coming think. here and doing it. You know, it's easy in America to say, well, we've got to shut it down. We've got to limit They're not going to do that. <laughs> you go up there, they die. They've you know, if you die, out, they just leave you there. <laughs> they've put out a record amount of permits right. for climbing this year. So they're not stopping it. You die, it's your fault. Bring more water. I saw a show not too long ago where the surface – you know, under the ice, the surface of Mount Everest now is a disturbingly high percentage of feces is mainly what it is now. you got to go a long way down to get to rocks because there's so many people up and down that thing, and you just sort of let it ride. But, but what about Well, it of, doesn't decay, I'm no, sure. No, it just freezes up right. there, and we keep piling onto it. So you're, you're three inches of crap before you get to any actual rock. Can you imagine getting up there and then standing in line for days till you freeze to death to go to the top? I figure if I get 89, 90% of the way there and they say, well, it's going to be four days and you may die, I'm going to say, you know what? Yeah. Good enough. I'm going to head back. I'm going to head back. I'll meet you at the lodge. What what are you doing? Go on down and have a few drinks (laughs) and talk about the the 89% that we covered. We'll talk about that. Yeah, that'll be good enough. I got pictures. Because that's the only reason they're doing it, right? pictures with their phones so (laughs) get up there if you can see this or how about this turn around take a picture over the edge there ain't nobody in the world is gonna say well that's not the summit you're only 95 percent of the way how you gonna be able to tell (laughs) yeah picture of rocks well apparently there's a few hundred people that'll call you on it now you know that ain't what it looked like when i was there when you croquet just leave your body up there so pretty soon you're not going to be it's going to be higher yeah the summit's going to be higher they're hoping they die and climb higher the bodies keep piling right what what a bunch of idiots i don't get it i agree all right rick well i think speaking of idiots I'm like the guy that lit himself on fire in the Washington, D.C. today. Yeah, right so. on that White House lawn. Ah, hope he got his point across. Whatever it is, I'm sure will change. Sure, he did. Right it's going to change the world. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We are working hard to get this thing on point, get it rolling, our complete rebrand for the, this week and maybe the next couple, which is going to be two old dummies flapping their gums. So if you enjoy it, check it out at Asylum Football on Twitter, asylumfootball at gmail.com. Until next week here at the Asylum, we'll see you. Take care.